Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. Yes, we're back again. This is a very interesting conversation I think we're having today. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a geek at heart when it comes to county and town services, even though I'm the arts editor. It's kind of odd, but I don't know. And, you know, water. We're all like 70% water. So That's true. That's true. Although I'm on the well, so I'm not sure how much impact I'm having. So that's going to be one of the things I'm curious about today in our conversation, which is about da, 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 the water hogs of the South Fork. There's a lot of people that use a lot of water. And um, this is, I think, a good week to have this discussion because it seems like it's the temperatures are kind of climbing out there. And I feel like the traffic's sort of hitting its peak and, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of action, both above ground and underground um, on the East End, I think. Right. Don't ever speak at once. <laughs> Yeah. God, I didn't realize this was a solo show. <laughs> yeah. God, you guys are like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's just jump into it. So um, that was Bill. We heard at the top of the podcast. Hiya, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And Joe Shaw's here again. Hey, Annette. How are you, Joe? I'm good. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. And Brendan O'Reilly's with us today as well. Hey, Brendan. Hi, Annette. Hi, everybody. My name is Brendan. I'm the deputy managing editor. And I'm Annette Hinkle. I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And we also have two guests today. One is Mike Wright, and he's a senior reporter with us who was on just last week, but we're having him back again. Hey, Mike. Hello, everybody. Nice to be here. Good to have you. And also with us is a special guest, Daniel Dubois. Did I say that right, Daniel? You did. Daniel Dubois, and Daniel is the Director of External Affairs at the Suffolk County Water Authority. So he's our resident expert here. And um, we thought it would be interesting to bring Daniel on to talk about the situation with water usage. And Mike Wright's been doing some very interesting reportage for the last several years, highlighting which homes or private users on the South Fork use the most water of all in any given year. And I think we're clocking in at what 12 like 12 million gallons for the top user mike is that what you uh discerned yeah 12 12 million <laughs> gallons which is roughly a hundred times more than the average house uses wow wow how many swimming pools would that fill mike do you want to talk about what you've learned in, in covering this story and then we can bring daniel in to talk about some of the efforts that this, the uh, Suffolk County Water Authority is making to kind of curb some of this usage and maybe encourage people to um, use water at more responsible times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, you know, so so the, the the interesting stats that, I mean, those numbers are enormous, 12 million gallons, and that's not even that much. One year, uh, last year, actually, the same guy that used 12 million this year used 17 million which, uh, you know, maybe he cut out 5 million gallons worth of usage, but I don't think so. I think that was just a, an anomaly of how the, how the meter reading uh, lined up uh, this year as compared to last year. Um, and uh, yeah, the, I mean, the numbers are astounding. Uh, like I said, you know, the average house uh, uses 150,000 gallons. I, you know, I think that that's just the total number of houses divided by the total amount of water used. And so I don't know if that's actually like a, a mean of, uh, of the amount of water used or, or median. Um, but yeah, I know that, you know, my house, which has a sprinkler system, used something under uh, 300,000 gallons last year. And so that's, you know, not very much if somebody's using five, six, seven, eight million, 12 million gallons. Um, I think we uh, foiled for the list of uh, top 15 users in Southampton and East Hampton, and East Hampton is much lower, but even the bottom one there was using over 2 million gallons a year. Mm. And these are enormous numbers. Um, you know, the Suffolk County Water Authority uh, is a, a natural monopoly. They're the only water supplier for, uh, for Suffolk County. And we have a, an interesting situation out here where we pull all our water from the aquifer below us. So we're not dependent on 
uh, rivers or uh, some other, you know, a reservoir upstate like New York State is. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a good thing that, you know, that keeps us keeps us uh, in water, as it were. Uh, but we also use a ton of it. And of course, we use it in the summer. Um, I believe Jeff Zabo, the CEO, said that about 70 percent of the water that the Suffolk County Water Authority pumps in a year goes comes is drawn up in the summer months. And, you know, some of that's a function of there just being more people out here, certainly. But really, it's a function of sprinkler systems and how much water we use now to keep lawns green and landscaping lush. And, you know, 40 years ago, you know, big estates always had big sprinkler systems and, and intricate landscaping and landscaping crews and this and that. And, you know, we talked about it just last week that that's changed now. And, you know, everybody's got a got a sprinkler system. Um, my house didn't have a sprinkler system in, uh, in it when we bought it in 1987, uh, but it does now. And it, it keeps the grass green all year round. And uh, you know, golf courses didn't have sprinkler systems even in the in the 1980s. A lot of them just had them around the greens. And so that has expanded so much as the, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses demand of having a property that's bright green and lush all the time, even when there's a drought, um, has has spread from, you know, the estate section all the way down to every little residential neighborhood you know nobody puts out a hose with a sprinkler head on it anymore and actually we do that but we're on our own private well so yeah yeah and and there's that again you know these numbers that we're talking about these are only the people that are connected to the suffolk county water authority systems and so there's definitely some of these huge super users as they call people that use millions of gallons a year that um, aren't even on that system, but are drawing up as much water or more probably. It's just that this water is monitored because it's uh, you know built. And then there's also the situation where people, you see their sprinklers going in the middle of a downpour. Right, well, and that's just maddening. And and, and the Suffolk County Water Authority has, has offered uh, rebates on rain gauge um, uh, controllers that you know shut the, shut the sprinkler system off if it's rained a certain amount. Um, and, and supposedly it's been successful at that, but that's not those big estates obviously doing that. You know, maybe maybe they have that, but a lot of them don't. Um, a lot of them aren't paying attention. You see them, you know, because sprinkler systems often run from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. or 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Even a busted head that, uh, you know, is just sprinkling the road isn't always noticed uh, right away. And so you can drive down. I live in Southampton Village. And if I drive uh, down to the inlet to go fishing early in the morning. I drive by about 40 sprinkler heads that are purely watering pavements. And it's maddening to see. But, uh, you know, that's that's just sort of the way that things are right now. And the SCWA is doing a lot of outreach, trying to educate people. And I guess, you know, the, the more you yell, uh, you know, you convince one person at a time, chipping away. One of the things that came out of your story, Mike, uh, I wanted to ask Dan Dubois of the Suffolk County Water Authority. So uh, the authority is thinking about adding a super user rate now, right, to try and try and further recapture some some expense from the people who are 12 million gallons in a year. By the way, is 12 million gallons is about 18 Olympic sized swimming pools. I did a quick look up online. Uh, so that seems, yeah, I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, it is. Apparently one Olympic sized swimming pool can hold as much as a million gallons of water, which doesn't, uh, you know, this is the internet. So I don't know, maybe that's- yeah, Well, Olympic sized swimming pools are like the size of a building. Yeah, exactly. That's not your backyard swimming pool no, 40 feet long by 15 feet wide. Right. So, so Dan, the, the authority is looking at adding a, a super user uh, rate, right? That would be that would be a little higher than the rates you have now. That's right. First, just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate uh, the conversation and the attention to this. Uh, yeah. So in 2020, we instituted a tiered rate system. It was a means to encourage our customers to 
conserve water. So basically what that means is after one of our customers uses a certain amount of water in a quarter, they go to a higher rate. So any gallon of water they use beyond that amount, which is about 90,000 gallons of water in a quarter, uh, they'll pay a, a, a higher rate for that amount. Um, and something that we are looking at now and something our board is, will consider in the future is to have a third rate for, you know, kind of what we call those super users. So the, the folks that um, Mike has kind of uh, talked about in his reporting, uh, those top users. Um, so our conservation rate that we have right now, that covers about the top 20% of our users. But um, even among that group, it's not people who are substantially um, that far from, from the average. You talked about the 150,000 gallons of water per year um, for an average home. But we've got homes that, you know, obviously that he's highlighted in his, re in his reporting, they're using more than a million gallons and then in extreme cases up to 20 million gallons of water in a year that we've seen. So that's something that we are considering now and, and um, creating that tier to hopefully encourage them, you know, as the, the price goes up for water to use less of it, um, but also to help us recoup some of that uh, the cost, because th what we're what we have to do is we have to build expensive infrastructure to support that use. So that's that's part of the the calculus that we need to consider. Yeah, and that that's the that's the key, Dan. You know, explain how that how that works in that um, you know the the need for pumping water uh, is you know born uh, the costs of that are borne by all of us and. Uh, how how many of these big houses are actually the ones causing the need for for that extra pumping? Yeah, it, it's it's certainly a significant factor. So we're uh, Suffolk County Water Authority. We're a public benefit corporation, not for profit. Um, everything that we do, all the infrastructure that we built, ultimately comes uh, from the rates that our customers pay. So if we uh, need to build additional infrastructure to support that demand. Ultimately, it's going to be our customers, all of our customers that pay through their rates. And, and uh, you know, as the rates go up over the years, um, that's something that, again, we have to consider in our calculus. So when we talk about these like these super users that are using a ton of water, uh, it, it adds substantial demand to to what we see. And another thing that I think that we should talk about, um, we talk about the amount of water that we're using for irrigation. It's really just for the summer months. So right now we're pumping about at a peak um, peak time during the day, about 500,000 gallons per minute. If we were in January, the highest we would reach is about 100,000 gallons per minute. So it's five times as much. So our infrastructure needs to support that highest level that we look at. Um, and so it's really, we're building all this infrastructure out for a couple of weeks out of the year. And so, you know, as I said, it, it can be very expensive to build new wells, build the storage tanks that uh, we need to support this. And it's just for a couple of weeks. Um, and especially those those high end users that uh, contribute to the overall demand. Um, but it's not just high end users. I mean, it's across the board. Um, everyone, even, you know, the average home that's just used that has a, a sprinkler system. You know, you mentioned before, Mike, um, how these are becoming more common. We did a customer survey uh, earlier this year. We surveyed our customers to ask them their attitudes about certain things that we're doing. One of the questions we asked is, do you have an automatic sprinkler system at your home? It's the first time we've ever asked that question of our customers. Surprisingly, 50% uh, of our customers came back and said, yes, I have an automatic sprinkler system. So something that you know may have been viewed as a luxury you know, a couple years or decades ago, it's increasingly more common. And I think on the east end, we don't have the region, the the region data to um, for that. But I would suspect on the east end, it's even more common. So even um, you know, as much as these super users uh, are contributing to the problem, everyone um, and the irrigation demand that we see in the summer is is part of uh, the things that we're concerned about. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sac Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. 
they handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. So is it is it pretty much the irrigation systems that are really sucking the most water, would you say? Yeah, so we we estimate that 70% of the water that we're going to use during the summer months is going to be used for irrigation. So it's a it's a substantial demand and we we also know we can see that in when we see the demand, right? So we look at our demand curves of um you know, we've got our complicated computer systems that track the pumpage that we're doing and they can spit out basically a graph that show our our demand curve. And what you see is a little bit of increase during the day, you know, we, when people are using um, water for showering and cooking and those sort of like basic life needs. Um, we see that a little bit during the day, but when we see substantial demand uh, for water is overnight, and that's because of those irrigation systems. So while everyone's sleeping, their irrigation systems or clocks are set to go on overnight. And that's when we see the real demand increase. 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. is the are the biggest demand hours. So um, so we, we know it's because of uh, irrigation systems. There are some other things that are factored into it. Uh, geothermal systems are becoming increasingly um, uh, common to see, again, especially on the east end, people are using uh, geothermal systems for heating and cooling their homes. And um, people who might be on our system using water to, to run that system could also contribute to that as well, um, especially some of those larger estates uh, that you know might have substantial cooling needs in the summer. If they use a continuous stream of water to, to run the system, that kind of creates a almost like a background of just continuous uh, use that kind of raises the demand before we even talk about irrigation. Yeah, that's not like a closed loop, Dan. I, th I would think that that I would have thought those systems kept uh, kept the water in the system, but not they, they use water. Yeah, Dan, ex explain how those systems work, if you would, please. Yeah, so the uh, so for a little bit of background for your listeners who might, might not be familiar with geothermal systems. So these are um, I mean, they're kind of billed as environmentally friendly ways to heat and cool your home. They don't use electricity. They don't use natural gas. Uh, they actually use water and the natural energies of the earth to heat and cool your home. So essentially what they do is they um, there's pipes that are built underground. They run the water underground, use the natural energies of the earth to heat and cool. And they bring the water back into your home, deposit the energy, whether it's heating or cooling. And that helps uh, basically um, climate control your home. So there's a few kinds of systems um, that are out there. So you mentioned the closed loop system, and I think that's what a lot of people think. It's a continuous stream of water that just recirculates underground, comes back up, deposits the energy, goes back underground, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And those are great. We, you know, we at the Water Authority, we've got no issue with those. We think those are environmentally friendly ways to heat and cool your home. But there are another kind of system, and they're actually the more common system called open loop systems. And what those do is they um, bring in water. So you could either have it from a public water source like the Water Authority, or you could have your own well. You pump water out of the ground if it's your own well, uh, run it through your house, use that energy, and then you deposit it back underground. Um, through a, So basically, like the water gets used, it gets expended, the, the energy gets expended, and then it goes back into the ground. Now, if you have your own private well that you've drilled for that system, again, we've got no issue with that because you're essentially taking the water out from underneath your home, using it, and then pumping it right back in. It goes right back into the aquifer. But if you are using Suffolk County Water Authority water to run that system, that's put, that puts a demand on our system. So you're continuously using water uh, using that um, to heat and cool your home and then pumping it back into, into the ground. Um, so those can have substantial effects. So we've seen systems that use uh, 40, uh, I think about 45 gallons per minute to run these systems. Um, and just to give you a little bit of context about what that means. So we built a new, um, well, at this point, it's a few years old, a new pump station, Deerfield Road in Noyak. It's uh, 1,300 gallons per minute water capacity that we added to our system, right? Um, and it costs two, $2.1 million to build that, um, that well field, those pumps and, and the distribution and all and everything tied to that. So one 45 gallon per minute system just for the geothermal. So we're not even talking about the irrigation that that home might have just for the geothermal system. That is a substantial uh percentage of the total water that we are getting from that one well field it would only, it would take less than 30 homes to use up that entire capacity so we're talking about 2.1 million dollars for just 30 homes it's not a sustainable uh way to do it so 
we actually banned um, systems, uh, open loop excuse me, open loop geothermal systems from using SCWA water back in 2020. Um, but our ability to kind of regulate that is pretty limited. We don't have permitting powers. We're not a regulatory agency. Um, and there were a number of systems that were grandfathered in. So it's that's another significant concern when we talk about demand is those open loop systems and making sure that they're not using our water um, to, to run those systems. Again, if they've got a closed loop system, if they're if they're drilling their own well, that's great. We got no problem with that. When they start using our water, that's when it starts to impact our. It's important to make the point that you said 70 percent is irrigation. It's so no, seven, 70 percent is in the summertime. Total usage, uh, 70 percent is in summer, not just irrigation, but. That's driven because it's in summer. It's driven by the spike in usage by ice age. Yeah. So, so the tiered, the tiered, um, the tiered billing system. That's more of an effort to to help the, the water authority pay for upgrades, those new, those new well fields, um, infrastructure, whatever, and and less about an effort to to encourage people to, um, towards conservation, or or is it both? Yeah, both. I would definitely say it's both, but I would uh, I would definitely say we want to encourage our customers to to conserve water, and that's you know one one avenue that we we use to do so. So um, you know, we call it a conservation rate. We want people to use less water. We would prefer our customers not go into that into that uh, into that tier. What else are you doing to encourage conservation? Yeah, so one of the things that we did um, earlier this year is we uh, we created a new multi phase conservation plan. And excuse me, one of the big um, uh, kind of uh, policies that we've instituted this year is our odd even watering policy. So what this essentially says is that all of our customers should follow the odd even calendar. So if your home or business has an odd numbered street address, you should only do any lawn watering that you're going to do on an odd calendar day. So it's, you know, days that end in one, three, five seven, nine, um, and then vice versa. If you are on an even uh, even street numbered address, you only do it on even days. And we think that'll be the biggest factor in terms of reducing that demand curve that we talked about. Because what we're really concerned about are those peaks. Um, you know, if, if we've got everyone trying to use our system at the same time, it's like rush hour traffic. You know, we've got so many cars on the highway and that's just clogging up the, the roadway. Um, it's, same thing here. We got so many people demanding water. We only have so much infrastructure. We only have so much capacity to pump it out of the ground. So if everyone's demanding it at the same time, we're going to run into issues. But if we can spread that out over multiple days, um, then that'll really help with the demand curve. But I, but I can take a shower every day, right? You can take a shower every day. <laughs> this is specifically for irrigation. So only for watering your lawn. I'll start then. Do you, Dan, do you have an idea of what the buy-in is on that? Like, I know that that's something that the authority has been encouraging for a long time for water conservation. Do you know how many people do that? I think my system is set up to be uh, on even days. Uh, but um, do you have any kind of stats to say how many people do that? So this is the first year that we've actually had this policy. It was just passed by our board in January. Um, so other places, you know, certainly around the country, but on Long Island, Nassau County has had an odd even policy since I think the 1980s. The town of Riverhead, uh, which has their own water district, has had an odd even policy for a few years. Uh, but this is the first year that we're doing it. And we know it's going to be uh, a multi-year effort to, to change behavior in Suffolk County. People are used to, you know, as you said, kind of at the top of the of the podcast, people are used to having their green lawns. They want really green lawns. Um, I'd point out, first of all, that uh, we don't feel like it is a trade-off. Um, using the odd even policy is actually probably better for your lawn. Overwatering your lawn is not good for it. So only doing uh, every other day or even less is actually better for your lawn. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, do do we know if there are if there is buy-in? Like I said, it's going to be a multi-year effort to change behavior. Um, and we're doing a lot to get the message out there. This is actually the first year um, that we are uh, we have an advertising budget specifically focused on conservation and really getting the odd even message out there. Traditionally, the Water Authority hasn't really done any kind of local advertising or anything like that. But now we're out there. We've got uh, digital ads, radio ads, newspaper ads. Uh, we're doing constant contact with our customers through our uh, through emails, through phone calls. Um, we're making it a part of our conversation that we have with our customers when they call in. Um, you know, we're going to let them know about uh, our conservation efforts and that they should follow the odd even policy. So, um, 
you know, it, it's going to be a while before I think people really uh, get the message and, and get out there. But hopefully, I think we're already seeing it now. I think I, I know personally, I've talked to my neighbors and they say, oh, yeah, I got the message. You know, I saw the odd even. So I'm going to switch my uh, the clock on my irrigation system and, and you know, make sure it follows the schedule. So it's going to take a while, but we're going to keep at it. So, Dan, this policy is strictly that it's a policy, right? The Suffolk County Water Authority doesn't have any enforcement powers. You can't go write someone a ticket if they're watering their house and their lawn every single day. And you need the municipalities to actually adopt their own odd even policies. And I saw this come up. It, there was a request to Southampton Village and they got this letter. Hey, please adopt an odd even water or ordinance and penalize people with a ticket who don't follow it. And the board just set it aside. There was just like no interest of even bringing it to a vote. You have Southampton Village where you have, you know, the biggest water users in the county. We have the people using 12 million, 18 million gallons a year. But you have a village that's not going to step in and say, we're going to have a hand in conserving water. I'm sure, you know, the first time that there is a house fire and they lose water pressure because they can't, and now they can't save the house because they don't have any water pressure. That's when you'll see all the villages and all the towns stepping up to act. But until that happens, nobody wants to spend their political capital doing something that's just going to piss off their constituents that really, really want green lawns. So you're you're right that uh, we don't have any way to enforce this. We can't issue fines, um, and we we have asked uh, municipalities across Suffolk County, not just on the East End, uh, to adopt a policy. Like uh, as I mentioned earlier, the town of Riverhead has had one uh, for a number of years. Nassau County has had one. So these policies do exist, and they they've existed in uh, county level, town level, village level. Um, and they've been enforced. So it is possible. Uh, we did ask um, county, uh, sorry, uh, towns and villages across Suffolk County to uh, to adopt the policy. So far as I know, none have uh, stepped up to do so. Um, but, you know, like I said, it, same thing with uh, with getting the message to our customers. It's going to be a multi-year effort to to get the towns and the, and the villages to understand. And just as a factor of the weather, this is the second year in a row that we're now in a drought. Um, we had a couple of wet years uh, before then, and then uh, 2016, 2017 were some, you know, again, very dry years. So the more drought we see and the more situations that we're in, like that we're in, like we are right now, uh, the more likely I think it is that uh, the towns and the villages will step up mm. and adopt these sort of policies. And Riverhead, you mentioned Riverhead. Doesn't Riverhead have its own water district? They're not on SCWA? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, SCWA, we serve 1.2 million um, residents across Suffolk County. It's about 85% of the county's population, but there are a number of uh, smaller water districts, um, including Riverhead Water District. They have their own water district. They manage um, water supply for most of the town. There's some small areas that the Water Authority um, supplies, but uh, it's it's mostly uh, within the Riverhead Water District. And then also the private wells that um, that was mentioned earlier, uh, especially out on the east end, some folks have their own private wells uh, and they supply themselves with water. But um, but that's right. Do you recommend that people use their irrigation systems at a, a different time than you said that that overnight time is when it's really heavy use? Does it help if people alter the time that they use their systems? And have you made any um, efforts to reach out to clients to ask them to change when they're actually using those systems? Yeah, so there, there is definitely a sweet spot that we would love for people to mostly focus on um, watering their lawns. So part of our odd even policy also um, prohibits the, the use of water between uh, watering between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And that's mostly just because it's a lot of wasted water. If you're watering during the hottest part of the day, before it ever gets into the ground, it can get to the roots of your grass, it's just going to evaporate. So we would strongly uh, encourage our customers not to water in the middle of the day. And then conversely, because the demand curve is so high overnight, we would definitely ask people to, to move it a little bit earlier into the evening. So, you know, somewhere between 6 p.m. And, and midnight, 1 a.m., that would be the ideal time because we can kind of spread that out. But then when we're talking about that demand curve overnight, if people were following the odd even policy and we could really split that demand in half, I think that would be the biggest 
thing that uh, the most impactful thing that our customers can do to make sure that that demand curve is not so high and we don't run into that overloading of the system. This is Catherine Manu, and I'm the editor of the Sag Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin, of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27east.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. And you had mentioned, I, I think people overwater anyway, right? I, I think if, I, anytime I have anything related to gardens or any of that stuff, I, I look to Brendan for advice. I, I, think, I think that there's an argument that watering every other day, especially not watering deeply, isn't good for your lawn. Dan, I think you said that earlier, right? It's, it, you know, overwatering is just as bad as not having enough water at all. But yeah, I mean, definitely if you're watering every single day, that's that's problematic. I think um, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, they've estimated that uh, up to 50% of water used for lawn watering is wasted because of inefficient lawn watering practices. So at the, the very top, I mean, people, uh, a lot of times, if you've got an automatic uh, sprinkler system that comes on overnight, you might not see what it's doing if it gets rerouted and it's just going into the street or onto your driveway or not hitting the proper places. I mean, that's certainly a factor. But then also from the overwatering perspective. Um, so if you start watering too early in the season, uh, your roots are going to start to move towards the, the your grass roots are going to start to move towards the surface rather than going deep. You want deep root growth um, so that later in the year, once we get to the summer months and it's drier, those roots are deep underground where there's a little bit more water absorbed into the ground. So the more frequently you water and the earlier in the season you water, you're going to inspire your, your roots to you know head up to the top. And that's going to hurt you later on in the year. And that's when you end up getting those brown uh, you know, those brown lawns when you forget to water for a couple of days and it's been dry. Um, so those efficient lawn watering practices are also, that's part of it. And that's why I said before, we don't look at odd even as a trade-off. You know, some some of our customers customers may hear, um, you know, that we need to, uh, that we're encouraging lawn watering, uh, odd even lawn watering, and they think of it as a trade-off. It's really not. It's better for your lawn if you're not watering every single day. You know, it, it really strikes me every time I write this story that, that the real problem here is that water is just too cheap. And the SCWA doesn't charge enough. And I mean, that's their policy is the, is the way it's set up and it's difficult to, but that's how you would fix the problem. And, and you know, they're, they're ta they talk about the super user fee and I, I haven't heard what it's going to be yet, but it's very hard to incentivize um, somebody that owns a, 70, 80, $100 million estate on the ocean that they go to for 20 days a year to do anything with the kind of fees that, you know, law and, you know, reasonable thinking would allow you to charge. I mean, unless the super user fee is going to go from $3.11 a gallon to like $3,000 a gallon, the guy that owns Ickenham Limited, the, the Meadow Lane estate that used the 12 million gallons this year, 17 million last year. We don't know who that is, but, um, you know, that guy's not going to notice that bill. No. Any effort. He pays somebody probably a quarter million dollars a year just to take care of his property. And somebody else who makes, you know, probably that much pays his bills and doesn't really raise an eyebrow. It's always been a debate, you know, should the South Fork have like an impact tax for um, homeowners who use more than their fair share of resources, not just water, but maybe also electricity. And if you have more than 20 delivery trucks come to your house in a week, yeah. you should have to pay more road taxes. Yes, exactly. Good point. Was was that directed at Joe Shaw? <laughs> yeah, Amazon's <laughs> always at Joe's house. I was just thinking, hang on a minute. They're saving you a trip to Costco. So that's like all of that pollution that you're not contributing by driving up to Riverhead. So Amazon doesn't count. They're on the road anyway. Service service vehicles coming to your property. Hey, hang on a second. I shop locally too. Just so we're clear. Yeah. If you have if you have a if you have a forty thousand pound landscaping dump truck and trailer that comes to your house every single week, you should have to pay for that. That's fair. 
You know, I, I, I've always thought, too, that forget about enforcement for a second. I feel like it would be helpful if there was a hotline of some, some kind where if you see somebody's sprinklers are watering the road, or if you see somebody's sprinklers are running in the middle of a rainstorm, there should be a way to, to send a note somewhere that there could just be some outreach to that property owner to say, are you aware that your sprinklers are doing this? Because I'm not even sure everybody knows that's happening. And, should, and we share, should we share Daniel's email address while we're there? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like setting it up as a punishment doesn't always work. But I, I think it, I'm, I'm going to just err on the side of believing that that a lot of times this is just ignorance that people aren't aware that their sprinkler systems are malfunctioning and maybe it would be helpful to let them know in some non-aggressive way hey you're wasting a lot of the suffolk county water authority could hand out postcards every year that say hey jerkwad, <laughs> your sprinklers are running in the rain your sprinklers yeah. are watering the road and then you just put it in there i don't mouth. want them to have to have to do it we there should be a hotline that we can call and I mean honestly there could be an education thing I mean oh no Brendan's written a lot about this the whole idea of trying to use um you know don't be so interested in having five acres of green lawn you know maybe plant some native species that could take over part of that five acres that don't require a lot of you know heavy handed watering to maintain I think that's part of the problem too is just changing attitudes that the green lawn is the only acceptable thing in your backyard there's only two reasons to have turf grass and one of them is walking paths and the other reason is to have a recreation slash athletic field other than that what you know what are you doing with it if it's not used for those two purposes if you have grass that is only ever walked on when somebody mows it you don't need <laughs> that grass that grass could be meadow with native plants and a meadow with native plants doesn't need supplemental watering because the plants have evolved to grow on Long Island with the water that Long Island gets from the sky. So you don't need to have a sprinkler system. You don't need to be watering it every day. But the culture is so built up around lawns, even though those lawns are also requiring fertilizer. And when you overwater, and even, even when you just water normally, you're still going to have some runoff that's taking that fertilizer and putting it into the lakes and putting it into the ponds and putting it into the bays. And now we're spending millions of dollars to remediate algae in ponds and lakes and bays on the East End, instead of just telling people to stop putting down fertilizer and to stop overwatering their lawns. Yep. Yeah. Good point. I, you know, it's, I feel like the answer is always education with this stuff, but to a degree, I think Mike had it right. Water is cheap. And I think it's it's tough to incentivize some of us, you know, so, you know, just ordinary homeowners. Um, it's it's an expense to address some of this stuff. Uh, when you have when you have a sprinkler system, you have to have your folks come in to address these issues and you go eh, for a couple of gallons, of, uh, you know, but it's not just about the money. It's about, you know, this is a precious resource that we only have so much of. Yeah, I, I can tell you that having like uh, uh, Rachel Lynch irrigation come to my house and fix a broken sprinkler head costs probably half of my water bill for the whole year mm -hmm. that runs wow. through that system. It's, uh, I mean, like I said, I've, I've got a sprinkler system on an acre and a quarter and my water, total water bills for the year are, you know, under a thousand bucks and if I let my lawn completely die, it would probably still be 300. So it's like not, that's not really the, where the expense is. Well, I'll say we, we certainly, uh, we take pride in, in having our rates be as low as possible for our customers. And I understand, you know, what, what you're saying for, from this perspective, it's, but um, you know, it's part of our, uh, part of our mission statement to have our rates as low as possible. But if I could just kind and of they, piggyback for the people that don't use too much water. <laughs> Precisely. If I could just piggyback on something Joe said uh, before um, that I just want to add to, you know, you were saying that, uh, well, I'll say one of the most frequent questions that we get when we talk about the odd even policies enforcement, everyone wants to know how are we going to enforce this. Um, but I think by and large, people want to do the right thing. And it is a question of education. Uh, you know, we've never asked our customers before this year to follow a policy like this. I think 
by and large, people are going to want to follow it when they know about it. And that's part of the reason that we have this advertising budget for the first time so we can get that message out there and why we're um, being pro so, so proactive and trying to uh, let people know um, because I think people are going to want to follow it. And, you know, you joked about having a, a, a postcard that we can go and hand out when we see someone that uh, isn't doing, that's actually something that we're going to do. We're going to have um, an informational postcard that we can hand out to our customers telling them, this is what you can do. This is how you can have an impact. So when one of our field technicians is out there and they're doing something and they're talking to a customer and they say, here you go, here are some quick tips that you can follow. The top of that, it's going to be odd even, but there's other things you can do to make sure that we have enough water. Um, and it's not just, you know, about making sure that we have the, you know, we talk about the infrastructure, the demand, that sort of thing, but it's also preserving the aquifer for the future and making sure that we're not overusing the most precious resource that we have, uh, particularly on the East End where, um, you know, we've got some areas where that is a, it's a significant factor. We've got a thin aquifer, especially on the North Fork. Um, we want to make sure we don't overuse it. So I think the more we can get that message out there, um, let people know they're going to want to do the right thing. Yeah, that was actually my question. As a well, um, someone that relies on a well, you know, is there a concern about the water that I um, tap into that I'm using? Um, you know, are wells, are, 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 is there enough water underneath this, I guess, is my question. Like, what's the situation in terms of our supply, both wells and for the Suffolk County Water Authority? Yeah, so when you talk about Suffolk County as a whole, we we're very lucky to have a substantial aquifer. So if you're talking about uh, further west, I mean, that, the aquifer there is trillions and trillions of gallons below our feet. It would be very difficult. Our, our problem isn't a lack of water underneath. It's the getting the it's the infrastructure to get it out of the ground, right? But there are certain parts of the county, um, and, and like I said, particularly in the east end, the North Fork, where we do have a much thinner aquifer, and overusing it is a concern. So when we have our wells that are pumping 24/7 to meet demand, what you end up getting if you overuse that aquifer, you don't have give it a chance to recharge. You start to get saltwater intrusion. You start to get chlorides, which degrade water quality. Um, so that is something that we are definitely concerned with um, and, and you were, we're looking at different ways that we can supplement water on, onto the North Fork. We're um, planning on building a substantial infrastructure project to pipe water from the Pine Barrens out to the North Fork um, to help supplement that so we don't overuse the aquifer there. Um, but we've also got wells on Friar Island. We've got wells on Shelter Island. We've got wells out in Montauk, um, you know, which could have similar concerns. So it's not, uh, it is a question of infrastructure and peak demand, but it also is making sure that we have, uh, you know, we, we protect this resource for the future. Yeah, you know, and you're right, the, the education thing, uh, I, I reprogrammed my uh, home sprinkler system uh, a few years ago when uh, Jeff Zabo and some of the SCWA folks uh, proposed building a new uh, water storage tank in Amagansett. And, you know, I was covering it as a reporter and they were talking about how they were flirting with uh, unsafe water pressure levels, you know, during that 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, time period uh, in Amagansett and Montauk, simply because that's when sprinklers were running and that they had to spend, you know, you said it before, I think it's two million bucks or something like that for those storage tanks, which are 100 feet wide. You know, it's a 100 foot diameter storage tank. They're huge. And uh, and that that was really just a matter of needing to have the water on hand to keep the pressure up so that if there was a fire at somebody's house, a fire truck could pull up to a hydrant, connect to it and have enough water pressure to to do it. And, you know, God forbid it breaks out right at that time during that peak pressure. But, you know, that's what you have to be prepared for. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's that public safety concern. So like right now we're experiencing peak demand, especially now that we're in a moderate drought. And so we see the pressure drop. So Basically, what happens when that demand reaches its highest level around 6 a.m., our elevated storage tanks start to, the, the level in them starts to go down. And those storage tanks are part of what um, contributes to the pressure in the system. So if those, if those tanks get to a very low level, the pressure starts to reduce. So I'm sure some of our customers may have seen this on, on some occasions where they turn on the tap at, you know, early in the morning and it's a little bit less than you're expecting. And that's because of a reduction in the in water pressure because the demand on the system is so high. So you're right. If there is a, uh, a fire um, that happens at the time, it could be a, a potentially um, dangerous situation. Um, one thing that I would, you know, 
want your listeners to know is that we we do monitor um, uh, the radio and, and are in touch with the um, fire department. So if there is a substantial fire, um, we can reroute systems, we can close valves to make sure that we have pressure. But that is something that is a, it's a factor when you're talking about minutes to potentially save lives or buildings or homes or what have you. Um, that's not something that we need to, we should be worried about. There should be pressure in the system um, to make sure that we can meet that, uh, that they, they have their, what they need to respond to it. So um, we need to make sure that we have pressure for those situations as well. It's a fascinating and and, and frustrating uh, uh, circumstance because you, you just know how hard it is to convince people to do something, you know, for the for the greater good when, you know, if it means their lawn has brown patches, they're going to just, they're, they're, they're mm. going to give up in a hurry. <laughs> we need to embrace that. It does feel like though, a little bit of education would go a long way. Daniel, what would you like the customers to know that maybe has not been such an easy message to get out um, in terms of water usage and what they can do to help? Well, again, I think the, following the odd even um, schedule is going to be the most impactful thing you can do. It's not a trade-off. You know, you can have your green lawn, you can have healthy root systems, you can do all of that and just make sure you follow the the, the schedule. Um, you know, look at your address, look at the calendar. So if you have an automatic irrigation system, set your clock. Um, if you've got a smart sprinkler system, you know, make sure you check the box on the app on your phone so it's odd even or it follows a particular schedule. We actually have resources on our website. If you go to www.scwa.com slash conservation, uh, we've got a whole list of helpful videos on how you can adjust the, the clock um, on your system. If you have an old style system that may not have that capability, we offer credits to our customers. Uh, we offer up to $150 credit to upgrade to a smart controller. And so those are controllers that are Wi-Fi enabled. They uh, link to your local weather station. You mentioned earlier, you see people who are watering their lawns in the middle of the rain. Well, these will actually uh, check the internet. They'll see what the forecast is and say, wait a second, we've got substantial rain coming. I don't need to water right now. Or it just rained yesterday and I'm just going to be overwatering. So it'll skip a day because uh, it knows that your your lawn has enough water. Um, so those we we know have a substantial effect on the amount of uh, water people use. I think there have been some estimates that those smart irrigation systems moving from an old style clock to one of those can reduce your water usage by as much as 30%. Um, so, and again, we offer credits to our customers up to $150 to get one of these systems. I think for most of those systems, it'll cover... Uh, most of the cost of them. So um, go to our website, like I said, scwa.com slash conservation, check it out, um, upgrade to those systems, but mostly follow the odd even schedule. That's going to be the biggest thing you can do. All right. There you go. Joe, did you get all that? Because I know you have one of these systems, right? I do, but, I, but I'm telling you, I'm a very careful user. It definitely run every day from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. No, 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 no. And and the, he's got a very small yard. I think you're probably using more of them. Like oh, definitely. We barely use it, but I will. You know what? I'm going to name a name. The Macy's Shopping Plaza in Hampton Bays is a three-time loser. I see their 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 sprinklers running during the day in the middle of the day. I see them running and, and watering the road, and I see them running in rainstorms. And I'm not sure who to register that complaint with, but maybe it'll trickle back to them in the flow of water that's coming out of that. That property definitely has some property management company from Nassau County that doesn't know or care about I see it all the time. In heavy downpours, you see their yeah. sprinklers running, and it drives me insane. All right, Daniel, you got to check on that. To Mike's point about... Um, property managers. And one of the things that we've been doing as well, not just interfacing directly with our customers, but also going to the irrigators, the, the folks that set up uh, irrigation systems. We held a seminar back in, I believe it was February, to try to get them on board. We talked about our rebates for smart controllers that they can pass on to their customers. We talked about the odd even calendar, the odd even schedule. Um, so we're directly interfacing with the property managers because we know that if we can talk to one property manager, we get them on board with this and they manage, you know, dozens of, of different properties that could have a huge impact. So we're trying to, you know, get that message out to them directly as well. We should tell anybody who's angry about our water hog story. Don't be angry at Dan. 
or anybody at Suffolk County Water Authority. Uh, we, we file freedom of information requests to get that information from them. They have no choice but to give it to us. We're, we're the bad guys here. Or the good or the good guys, depending on how you look. Or the good guys. Do we ever get complaints after the fact about these stories? Mike, did you ever hear any complaints from anybody? No, nah, there was one. Yeah, Facebook comments and Instagram comments from people saying it's an invasion of privacy to list these people and it's their own business. And also people that just say like, oh, they're paying for it. They could do what they want, which really ignores the nuance that we're all paying for it. They're not just paying for it themselves. Wow. Fascinating. All right. Anybody else have anything to add for Dan? Nope. I'm going to go take a shower because <laughs> I was confused about the whole odd even thing, but you're not allowed to shower today, Bill. <laughs> no showering on these, uh, these days for you. <laughs> well thank you guys so much for uh for having me on it was great i've i've been tempted to call you dan dubois because i'm from western pennsylvania <laughs> so are you familiar are you familiar with dubois pennsylvania? Uh, i'm not well i've heard of it before but there's a schism in my family because some of my family actually live in pennsylvania and half of us go by the proper dubois the other goes by uh dubois and no one can decide what it actually is <laughs> no it's dubois there's no question I I would but, agree but, with you, but like I said, there's a schism in my family about it. But there is in Western PA. I, I lived near Dubois, Pennsylvania, and it was Dubois. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very confusing. I can't imagine your family just tearing your family apart. Yeah. Always a good Thanksgiving table conversation for sure. Thanks for your time, Dan. It was great. Yeah. I'm I'm thrilled that the Waterhog story that we started a few years ago has gotten legs and we do it every year now. That's great. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. Suffolklaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.